This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Mid-Valley Mercenaries. Um, this episode, we're going to switch things up a little bit. Um, actually, I'm going to do a couple of things that Titus normally does, and uh, me, uh, Talon, and Travis are going to be interviewing Titus uh, for a change. Um, this podcast is a little bit different than what we normally do, but before we start out, uh, we just want to give a shout out to a couple of the people that we were working with and that we are associated with. Um, first of all is Heavy Shot. Um, if you don't know who Heavy Shot is, I don't know if you should be listening to this podcast, but no, Heavy Shot is uh, is great. We were lucky enough to go up there and meet a lot of those people, and um, we're currently working with them, and they're a great company, great ammo. We love shooting their ammo for the last several years. It is by far the funnest stuff I've ever shot. Yeah. You guys just used it on turkey the other day. Used that TSS. Or actually, Titus did. Titus used it on a turkey. <clears throat> I got my first turkey. Success. Yeah. One shot, yeah. one kill. We'll do a podcast on that. Yeah. You got yeah. a story, some stories to tell, too, for this season. I can tell a couple turkey stories. Yeah. So, anyways, we love Heavy Shot. Uh, another company is You Canuba Dog Food. Um, Titus could tell you a little bit more about them, but I know he's been feeding Rocky Yukonuba for a while. Yeah, about eight months, and it's a 30-20 blend. They do all kinds. They do puppy chow, and they go up to adult, and they do senior. But the big thing that I love about Yukonuba, and again, I iterate this every single time, is the fact that they, um, I was already feeding Rocky that before they officially started, kind of, I guess you would say, sponsoring or feeding Rocky. And the biggest reason I went to is because Chris Haken told me to. Said by far, that's what he feeds all his dogs. Huge difference for that. And uh, he also, the big thing I like about it is it is a chondroitin and glucosamine in it. And that's the biggest thing with dogs is their joints. They start getting, you know, 19 years old, they start getting arthritis and stuff. So that is 
It's awesome. And then that 30-20 blend means it's 30% protein, 20% fat. And that fat gives them energy, and the protein builds muscle. Right on. So last but not least, we got Old Town um, Canoe. I can't remember if that's their full name or not. Old Town. Old Town Kayak Canoe. They make all kinds of boats, canoes, fishing vessels, hunting boats, all kinds of stuff. They're a great company. Um, we have several of their, uh, it's like a hybrid model of, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's different really. It's a canoe kayak hybrid. It's, but anyways, it's a good hunting boat. Um, they make so many different things, so many different fishing kayaks that I'd love to get. But, mm-hmm. um, so check them out. They're a great company made here in the US of A. That's what makes them good. So, <clears throat> So like we said, this podcast is going to be just a little bit different. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, Titus and him flying helicopters and what got him into it, um, some experiences he's had uh, over the years. You, how long have you been flying helicopters? Uh, 14 years. So 14 years as a helicopter pilot. Um, so there's a lot to tell, and um, the reason he wants to do this is because he might be getting out of um, being a helicopter pilot for the foreseeable future. So if you're like me or Titus, you don't have the best memory. <laughs> so you kind of want to um, share the stories before, you know, we f- might forget some details of certain things. So um, so let's just start it out flying helicopters. I mean, most of the time when you tell people you're flying helicopters, everybody, you know, that's a cool, cool job, you know, people. Not everybody walking down the streets a helicopter pilot. Um, what what drew you to that, and what started your you know your journey down to becoming a helicopter pilot? I think to me, from what I remember, like you said, the memory is not the greatest. I wanted to do it since I was a kid. I kind of um, credit it to probably seeing. Vietnam war movies, you know, seeing those Hueys fly around, because that's always been my favorite helicopter is a Huey. And it's just that loud whop of the blades, you know, it's just something that gets me going. It always has since I was a kid, so I always wanted to do it. But uh, <clears throat> from my preconceived notions, I always thought you had to join the military. Like, I thought that's all pilots, you know, helicopter pilots came from there, and that's what they did. I knew there was airplane flight schools, but I never knew there was helicopter flight schools just being younger and stuff, and I always wanted to do it, but then fell into construction, and just kind of all our group guys did, you know, just doing construction, painting, framing, that kind of stuff, and uh, what got me into it finally, because I still had not forgot about it, I wanted to do it, but it kind of seemed like a pipe dream, like, you know, I'm never never going to do that. Like out of reach. Yeah, like out of reach kind of thing, and, and, and not because I didn't want to join the military, because that was definitely in my mind, too. But as far as doing it on the civilian side, but one day I was driving down. I don't know where I was going, but this is how it all started, actually. I was driving down 99 going north. I don't know where exactly where I was going, maybe Turlock. And a truck passed me. going. I was probably going 75. They must have passed me going 85 <laughs> miles an hour in a big old F-250 blue, dark blue um, diesel. And on that, when they passed me, I seen a helicopter with a phone number, and I was like, I sped up. I was like, what in the world? I think it said flight school. It did. It says Silver State Helicopters Flight School. So I sped up, 
caught up to him, wrote the number down. <laughs> and, uh, They're probably thinking, what's this guy doing? Yeah, he's They're still probably freaking out. Yeah. And I wrote the number down, and at this time I was dating my wife now, Sarah. And I wrote the number down, called it right away. I called it right then. And uh, they answered, and I said, hey, uh, is this a flight school? Are you guys, where's this at? And they're like, oh, it's Lost Bounce, which is like 45 minutes from my house. And I was like, really? And I go, it's just regular civilian, you know, you can, anybody, yeah. What we do is we normally offer a, um, a uh, demo flight. We offer like a demo flight, you know, we, you come out there, it's, I don't remember what it was, 50 bucks, 75 bucks or whatever. And they can bring, you can bring whoever you want. We fly around for about 20 minutes. So I, I, it's kind of funny. I told my dad, I asked my dad if he wanted to go. And I invited my fiance, Sarah, and I said, Do you guys want to go on the ride with me? I'm I was something I want to do. And they went and it was cool. I mean, I was hooked because they put the dual controls in and let me fly, you know, straight and level. Just I was like, oh dude, this is crazy. You know, like I've always wanted to do this. It instantly fell in love. Hey, real <clears throat> quick, how do you this might be jumping ahead, but how do you describe um um hovering? <laughs> in place. How would you describe what that feels like? Are you asking that because you know the, the I description I always give? I don't know what your description is. I forgot. It is. This is exactly how it is. If you grab a bowling ball and you put a BB on top of it, balance that. Yeah. Balance that right in the middle and see if you can do that. Yeah. That's how it is to hover That's because it can go I'm any right. way. Mm-hmm. It can. You can go forward, sideward, backward. Angled, you know, mm-hmm. you've no talent, no yeah, from yeah. experience. You, it's like you got to be like three steps ahead. You yes, know, that's exactly a good way. And you've tried, yeah. Have you uh-huh. have you ever tried with the doors? No, I in? haven't. Okay, <laughs> you have to do it before it's going yes. that way. It's so weird. You did pretty. You, I remember you did pretty good well, actually. At first, you were sitting there, you're like, "Oh, you're not doing too bad." As soon as you said that, start going. <laughs> Ooh. He's like, "Let's try this again." Ooh, just going everywhere. Yeah. And probably once you get out of control, it seems like it'd be hard to oh, get it gets back worse. into control. Oh, it gets oh, worse. It's impossible yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry, it was impossible. It just popped in my mind. I was like, "You should describe that." Is exactly. Describe that. Is it not? Yeah, absolutely. That, is that like a yeah. good definition? Perfect. It's a perfect, perfect definition. definition. It's, you can't just say left, right, or forward, back. It's no. it's 360 degrees. Yeah. That thing can go that way. Mm-hmm. And what always happens is the more out of control it gets, the worse it gets. It just never gets better when you're when you're new at it. But anyways, I called that number. I was hooked. And then they said the big number. They said, "Ah, oh, sixty nine thousand nine hundred dollars." I said, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was to get your private license, your commercial license, and your instrument rating, and then your certified flight instructor rating. So you get four ratings out of that, which uh, across the country is a pretty basic standard uh, price, what they were charging pretty much anywhere in Florida, wherever you went. So, yeah, I signed right away. I didn't even second guess that man got a student loan through them. And... Uh, the rest is history. I, I, I started my first flight school January, two weeks before we got married hmm. in 2006. So I guess I would have been 22. And how long was the school? Wow. It Well, there was no set time on it. It was kind of based on the student. So however much you could dedicate to it and how fast you can learn and get good at flying to pass the check rides, that's how kind of long it would be based on. But, I mean, for me, I... uh I went for a year while I was working full time and I just wasn't making progress because I was only flying like once a week. So doing that, as you guys could see going out there flying, that's just not enough mm-hmm. to like get a grasp no. on hovering, let alone. Because we, what we did is we started in the the simulator first 
So, you know, you're not burning fuel just mm-hmm. sitting in front of a computer screen. But believe it or not, it was actually pretty realistic to what it was like trying to hover and fly and stuff. And I think I spent eight or nine hours in there, like all the other students. I think there was like 20 in my class. And um, it's funny because pretty much all those guys, I know them still to this day, and they're all flying for a living too. But um, they get you to where you can do okay on that screen. And then they, then they, I remember the first flight <laughs> uh, trying to hover. It was exactly like you guys, like anybody I've taken. I've let Josh Webster, Jake Garbo, my brother Thomas, Talon. I'm trying to think if anybody else has tried to hover or not. But do they take you to a certain height? Because of course you're not going to start off from the ground. Yeah. Level. Well, because that's the big thing is to hover. Um, that's all part of lifting off the ground, right? So they, what they would do, the very first thing you do when you're in flight school, and some may be different, but this is what we did. They lift off the ground. There's dual controls, right? They lift off the ground, get you about five foot because, because you know, you could drop down quick or make it such a big mistake. They couldn't correct for it quick enough, you know, but uh, go to about five foot hover. And then, you know, it's, it's like, like it would be when I was yeah. hovering. It's just not even budging, you know? And then you're like, oh, that's how it looks easy, you know? And you grab and you're just like, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, they would, some of those flight instructors would just let you get it so out of control. You thought you're like, take it, take it. <laughs> but it's only five foot off the ground and you're out of control. Well, no, because as you're, things are happening, you know, you're rising up, you're going down, you're, you're starting to spin. Like it's just because you're doing both feet for the uh-huh. pedals, you both hands. So it's just all so you're not in movement. So it's not like an airplane where you have like, I don't know what, I'm not having an airplane, mm. but how many more controls does a helicopter have versus a, an airplane? Well, the, an airplane. You've done both. Yeah, an airplane has a yoke, which can go. You can go left, right, and pull forward and back, right? Okay. And then you got your rudders for your feet, and those do kind of two different things. They'll be your brakes. There, it's kind of there's more to that too, but if you were to go from helicopter to airplane like I did, that's not. It's not as of a coordinated thing. Mm-hmm. But if you were to start up fresh, anyone here in this room and go straight to that, it'd be a lot because you got your brakes on. I believe your toes. So if you tilt your toes forward, you hit the brakes on an airplane, and then you kind of use more of your heel when you're adjusting your rudders, and that's more like um, once you go over a certain speed. Oh, I'm not going to get into the details of that. But anyways, it's it's coordinated either way. Yeah. I mean, look at it. But the thing is with the helicopter, the, me describing that with the bowling ball and a BB, it's just it can go so many more ways and go wrong so much more than an airplane. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So... so, so um Everything with flying has to do with hours. What's the what what the school require on hours wise and like what do jobs require and all that? And where were you at um before you got a job or got deployed? Cuz I don't remember that timeline. Yeah. Cuz I know you got you you were in the National Guard and you got sent to um Afghanistan and although you weren't flying, you were in a helicopter also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got in, I got in in 2008 to the Army National Guard, the Cal- California Army National Guard, and I got out in 2014. But I already had when I went to Afghanistan. I think I already had flight hour wise. I think I had, if I remember right, I want to say I had like four thousand hours or something mm. like that. So you were flying. You were working for John. Yeah. No, I was already working for Blair's when I went. Oh wow. Yeah. But uh. Yeah, no, the thing is with with flying helicopters, um, by the time you get off, you have zero hours starting flight school, right? By the time you get done and get all your ratings done, 
you're usually around 200 hours, and that will get all your ratings. Well, you think at the time it sounds like a lot of hours, but it's just not even a drop in the bucket. But um, you learn a lot. You do a lot of things. Most guys go into flight school. Um, I actually almost took a job out of state, but what happened was this company had embezzled a ton of money. They had like, I want to say they had like 200 helicopters. They were spread all over the United States, multiple flight schools. I was going to take a job for them as an instructor back. I didn't, I don't think nobody knows this in the Midwest. I don't know what, why it was, what happened it was probably God that we didn't do it because literally when I graduated flight school, Two weeks later, the feds came in and shut that whole school down. Wow. That guy had taken all that money and ran to a foreign country, couldn't find him. And the feds come in and shut that whole company down. Wow. I mean, I barely got done time. The good part of that was is I never moved. But thank God, if I would have been a couple of weeks early, I would have moved everything back there, my family. And then they would have shut it down. Yep. Oh, man. Stuck. And I think we had Vivian. Did we have Vivian yet? Or she was pregnant or something. I can't remember, but... Anyways, yeah, that would have been a bad deal because then we would have had to move right back and try to re- – anyways, it would have been a mess. But what it was is I was driving down the road one day. Never once in my mind ever did I think about crop dusting. So you didn't go into <clears throat> to be helicopters a, to be an ag pilot? No. I went in to be a medevac pilot. To oh, okay. do med- Honestly, I never even – I never really – it's not like I didn't know about – It just never came to mind. It never came to mind. I always thought of the yellow airplanes, yeah. right, just like everybody else does. Yeah. But I, I was driving down, um, oh, what's that road right out there when you're going to Burt Cranes at 140. 140. I was driving down 140, and all of a sudden, this helicopter freaked me to death because I was, I was driving down 140, and this helicopter come right over the canal, right over me. I never seen it coming. Woo, 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 woo. And I like swerved off the road. I was like, <laughs> what in the world? I watched him. It was John, my later boss. Because two weeks out of flight school, I ended up getting a job with them. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I take that back. Two months prior, I had been going to him. This is why you and I, you know, I'm one of those guys that is so hard on this. Like, you don't take no for an answer. Like, when you want a job, you just keep going back. And if they say, yeah, next week, you know, you just keep hounding people. Eventually, they're going to see that you want to put effort. And that's what I did. I had actually asked John four times if I could get a job with him before that. And no, 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 no. You know, he said no every time. And I wasn't going to take that for an answer. And I went the fifth time, and he goes, we just lost a guy. Um, He quit and went somewhere else. You go ahead and we'll start you, but we're going to start you off real real slow, and you're going to pay your dues, you know. So I ended up being a loader, you know, get putting, filling him up with the chemical throughout. It was like a year and a half. So you weren't actually flying? No, I wasn't even flying anymore. So now I went from flight school flying to not really flying. What he was letting me do is like ferry it back. Like, he would drive the truck home and let me fly it back empty. Because okay. first off, I, I went from flying R-22s, little two-seater helicopters, to this was a two-seater two, but it was a Bell 47, and it had no governor. So you were, you, the throttle was constant. You're constantly moving the throttle. Mm-hmm. You're constantly, if you dive down, you know, you look, or I can't remember because it's been a while, but I was flying a Bell 47, the MASH. If you ever, if anybody listens, ever watched the MASH show, um. That's what it is, just a big old bubble and goofy-looking thing with a bunch of rebar, it basically <laughs> looks like. And that's where I started out in, and he trained me. I knew how to fly ready, but he trained me to fly that one because each helicopter is a lot different. And this, you know, it's kind of a prehistoric helicopter. What, what seems strange to me is you go from... I think flying a helicopter, right? Lift off the ground. You know, you're flying. You, you get up You get up high. You mm-hmm. get above above everything. Yeah. 
crop dusting, you're basically flying on the deck, on the hard deck. Yeah, you know, you are. And, and so how you know I'm saying being so new to that, I mean, to me that that freaked me out of my mind and say, hey, I got to fly this low, and then you got all the other things that you have to deal with. You, mm-hmm. you don't think about just flying in, a, in an airplane, right? You're up there where there's nothing around you, but crop dusting and that sort of thing. You got trees, you got telephone poles, you got wires, you got mm-hmm. Towers, you got all these different things, and so just to I think going from somebody that's fresh and new into something like that, I mean it's like you yeah, feel like you're a playing Frogger. Yeah, it was shell shock. Yeah, because like you said, I guess I never finished what I was saying, but I I went from saying I'm going to be a medevac pilot, so I'll be an instructor, do what I was already doing. I was trained. I, I had my instructor's license. I to get that, you're teaching someone that has thousands of hours how to fly. And if they say, you know what, you're a good instructor, you get your rating. So that's what I plan to do. <clears throat> Build up enough hours, flight hours, to go straight from that to medevac, which was 2,500 hours. Well, that's going to take a while, you know. Oh, like, to, be, to be a medevac yeah, pilot, you have to have 2,500 about, hours. About 2,500 hours, yeah, with some other things in there mixed and in. And ag, you don't, how many hours do you need to do ag? There's, don't, Zero. I have, I have some friends, old school guys, and I say old school, it's, being fifty years old in ag is can be old school because they were, they were doing things that you would not want to get caught doing now, you know. But they were throwing their kids in and the dads. So like the dads would be in their seventy five, eighty now, eighty five. They were throwing their kids in, literally not even having lessons. They would teach them how to hover, and then they would send them to a, a DPE, which is a designated pilot examiner. And if they pass that check ride, they'll get their license and then <laughs> literally throw them out there and spray fills. Yeah, put them to wow. work. Wow. Hundred percent believe, and if that. they, and it's insane because if they live, they live. If they don't, they don't. You know, like there's no like if it's meant to be for him, he's gonna make it. You know, it was nuts. It's crazy. And well, you don't think they're teaching them how to well, fly fields and everything? You, they are to a level, but it's just from what Rob told me, one of the guys, he was just like, he basically he started with airplane, yeah, and then he got his helicopter, and then so he had the concept of spraying because once you have the concept of spraying. And being like you said, low on the deck like that, because we're talking, people are like, "Oh, what are you? What you know, fifty feet off the ground spraying?" I'm like, "No, two or three. How, how low are you, talent? Low, <laughs> low. Like. And it's not to brag or say, "Oh, I just fly really low." That's, that has nothing to do with it. You're just trying to get the chemical on the crop. Yeah, yeah. that's it has nothing to do with. That's how every, all of them are. And the only reason the airplanes are a little higher, which they're technically not. Because they have their landing gear and their tires. I've seen them run their tires through corn. And that's as low as they can get. Their tires are in the way. So, yeah, the wing of the plane's higher yeah. than what I am. But all I got is the skids. And that's just, you know, three, four feet or whatever on every, different helicopters. But I've came back with, you know, corn in my booms and alfalfa and whatever, you know, whatever. I'm not, and that's not something to brag. I'm not saying that's a good thing. You know, maybe I turned out of the field before I pulled up and hooked a little something. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it was because in flight school, it's always so proper. You lift up out of out of the field, and you keep going higher and higher, and then you fly straight level, then you go land. You don't learn how to fly helicopters doing that. You don't. Mm-hmm. You're not putting that helicopter to work. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you know the difference. You're between, just flying. You're yeah, not I've let you work. fly from yeah. field to field. Are you really learning how to handle no, that you're helicopter? Just, you're just holding it there yeah. and going straight until you're hovering, like you guys tried yeah. to do. That's when you're learning, mm-hmm. and then that's why I say. Any aircraft I could jump in that if, I, if I've never flown it as far as a helicopter goes, and you teach me how to start, I'll start it. And then I fly it, and then let me do spraying with it. 
or let me pretend like I'm spraying. I'll be I'll be like a veteran in that helicopter in 20 minutes because you're working it. Mm-hmm. You're diving down, you're doing hammerhead turns, you're you're low, you're making hard turns and you're landing. You're landing every 3 5 minutes on the truck getting more fuel. So you're hovering. Yeah, constantly. well you're not even really hovering. It's, you're literally coming in and boom. You know what I mean? Dropping it. Mm-hmm. Hovering just sitting there, oh, okay, and you know I've seen guys yeah. do that too, but it's all about efficiency when you're an act. It's bam, huh? Is it not? You yeah. come on trick, boom, go. So, so your boss when you first start, so when you got hired in your first job, so that's when he started teaching you that. What was the process yeah. to start teaching you that? So what it was is first it was how to start the helicopter and to properly fly that one because it was a lot different. Yeah. Like you know it was weird. They look a whole lot different. They do, and the handling's where it's very a lot more sensitive. An R twenty two is like if you could hover the one you guys were trying to hover, like or not even hover it all the way. You could hover this one easy because yeah. they were the stiffer. But anyways, uh, so what the process was to begin to start spraying, at least what John did with me was, um, guy used to fly in the helicopter, let me ferry it with nothing, it just back to, after we worked all day, he would drive the truck back, I'd fly the helicopter back. Land him on the cart. That's a good step to start beginning to land on the mm-hmm. truck because it messes you up. You're on a little cart. Mm-hmm. I remember. And I remember I thinking the first time, I was like, <laughs> I can't, how am I going to land it on that? You know, I'm not used to being <laughs> that precise in my landing. And yeah, I jacked up a few times, several times, you know. Um, but it, but that right there alone just makes you better, mm-hmm. you know, just that kind of stuff. But then once I got used to that, then he's like, okay, you're gonna spray water. So I land on. Then he started letting me land on the truck, and I could do that safely. And then like, okay, we're gonna give you water, and you just go fake, go spray. But it's just water. There's nothing come, nothing coming out but water. Mm-hmm. So go spray that field over there, like his buddy, you know, like hey, that's Joe's farmer. They just go spray that that field of alfalfa with water. Started doing that. He would go in there and show me how to do the act turns, which was an old school guy. He's uh he actually knew Brother Taylor. He's a big time mule guy. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, remember they had that mule days or whatever back in the day? Uh, they still do it, I think. You remember do you ever remember hearing about that? Not really. Up in Mariposa or somewhere up there and they would do mule days and he, everybody, all these guys with all these mules would go up there and do their mm. pack teams and stuff. Mm. But he did that. He still I still talk to him every once in a while. He lives um Oh, what's that town, right? As you're going down 140, like you're going to Banas, off to the right. Stevenson? Stevenson. Stevenson. Hillmar, Delhi, somewhere like in there, somewhere. And uh, anyways, he's the one that taught me to spray. Like, I don't know why John really didn't, but I would go ride with him. And man, yeah, he was hard on me. Like, he would get on to me. But that was good. I remember not, it wasn't that I didn't like him doing that to me. I didn't like my ability like oh mm-hmm. you know i want to learn yeah. this i want to yeah. be good at this making me mad i wasn't getting beaten being better it took a while you know it was mm-hmm. like you said you're right on the deck and my tendency to get that low was i was always wanting to be up here get lower get lower you know and mm-hmm. be oh you're doing this turn wrong he grabbed the troll he's just a cowboy kind of mm-hmm. guy big you know sausage hands yeah. and <laughs> and just you just he always wearing boots and long sleeve and wranglers just that kind of guy but super nice guy his name was lloyd and uh, that's kind of how they taught me. They did that. And then finally, the, after like a year and a half, they're like, okay, hey, you're going to spray this field. Made sure there was no wires anywhere around. It was wide open as a sweet potato field. I actually have that on video on the channel. I think I've seen it, though. It's like the third video. Yeah, I think I've seen that. Terrible. <laughs> actually, it wasn't that bad. I, I was higher for sure, but I did the turns. My turns were real big, too. I kind of, you know, that's you want to stay safe. You know, yeah. you don't need to whip it around when you're brand new, but. Sprayed my first fill, and I was like, man. And I was a little worn out. 
And it was like 80 acres. Mentally. <laughs> Mentally, dude. Yeah, I was yeah, like mentally. worn. Yeah. Oh, spray. Turn the spray on. Oh, make the action. Yeah. Oh, oh, switch over to the next road. Like, yeah. instead of it being a fluid subconscious thing. Yeah, like driving. Yeah, like it was all just like. Just learning how to drive. And then now when you drive, yeah. you don't even think about what you're doing. You just it. go through the motions with your eyes. Not closed. But. Yeah, I was beat <laughs> down. But I never once questioned, like, I don't want to do ag, you know? It was a job. Yeah. It was flying. I'm getting paid to fly. Like, how cool is that? You know? I don't know. Just myself driving down the road and seeing guys in helicopters flying, I'm like, I'm a chicken. So I'm watching these guys, and I'm like, you think they're going to crash. They're going to crash. They're going to crash. They're going to hit those wires. And the last second, they, they come up, they bank, and then they drop back down. It looks like they're going to ram right into the ground. And then they level off and go and then do it again. And just doing that over and over again. But when you were in there, because you've flown with me when I've sprayed before, have you too, Thomas, or did you only just fly with me to field to field? No, I flew. Did you stay in there I've when I was spraying? you several times, yeah. And you stayed with me. Yeah, so all three of you have. So besides, I think you guys are actually the only ones that have. I've flown some other people around, but they didn't stay in there while I sprayed. But, uh, but was it as bad as it seemed, though, when you guys were in there, as, as it is watching someone when you don't know what you know? No. No, it doesn't at all, actually. It wasn't that. Were you, no. like, scared? No, because it just everything was a fluid motion. And two, and you only think about, oh, they're going underneath wires and stuff like that. I was less scared to go underneath the wires than the the Because I went under wires with, yeah. with you on that one yeah. field, the whole field. Yeah. Did you, did you like, ah? Oh. No, uh-uh. Yeah. And even banking didn't bother me. I, I like roller coasters, so to me it's like. Dude, I don't even, but the funny thing is I don't even like watching guys spray. I when I, I've trained a couple guys. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say trained them, but kind of how to do turns and stuff like that and show them how to run the system and stuff like that. And then I get out of the helicopter and watch them. I'm like. Oh my goodness. Like it kind of makes me a little nervous. Mm-hmm. So, so when point, you first started, did you ever get motion sick at all? Actually, that's a good question because before I even started, I finally this guy said he would pick me up, John. And uh he took me out. He's like, you know, just show up tomorrow, show up at this place, you know, give me two street crossings, show up here and jump with me and see what you think. I forgot about that. That's funny. I got in. I jumped in. John's crazy pilot. He's a good pilot. He's just crazy. He's crazy. But he's been doing it for so long. He don't think he's. He thinks he's just whatever. But um, he's ripped a lot of booms off because he's been too low. That dude is in the deck. You guys have seen. You've seen him spray. He. I jump in with him. I get him. Five minutes, dude. I was gonna hurl. I was like, I can't do this. I just went to school. Spent all this money. Spent all this time. Want to do this for a living, and I'm gonna get sick. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I gonna do? Like, I wanted to puke my guts out. <laughs> I didn't want to show up again. I was like, but then I thought I gotta. Like, I want to fly. Surely I'll get used to this, right? Yeah. And then a couple more times, yeah. But um, you saying for me flying personally for myself, obviously that went away. Just like guys work on boats, I'm sure it does in the ocean. But um, when I came back from Af- Afghanistan, I hadn't flown in a year. Uh, I got sick the first day I was nauseated, mm. but I knew by then, obviously I had so many more hours. I was like, I know it'll go away, but it took a couple of days. Yeah. It took a couple of days for your equilibrium, I guess, to get caught back up to that. Yeah. Cause when I went with you, I rode with you for probably like four hours mm-hmm. and I ended up having to tell you, just drop me down. Cause I, <laughs> I ended up throwing up. Really? Yeah. Huh? He, he blamed those burritos though. Those were gnarly burritos. Well, I we don't, went had I don't know. Like I, I can do theme parks and all kinds of stuff, but it seemed like the fields we had were like it narrow, was. 
weird fields like it was. i've never seen fields planted like this you think <laughs> you think of fields as like square or circular or long you yeah. know rectangle whatever whatever reason these fields we were spraying it must have been like next to a it's like who sold the property huh? <laughs> yeah but they're they're like weird narrow fields with trees in the middle and then wires at the other end like all kinds of weird stupid stuff <laughs> we're going down up back down banking around it was bad. coming back doing the turn Coming back down, doing the same thing. It was yeah, gnarly. It was kind of messed up. You had a nice big hundred uh, yeah, quarter it was section. Nice. Yeah. It was literally just make forth, yeah. like long runs, just yeah. boom, boom. And him, you were. It was jacked up. It was like a bunch of small fields, a lot. I didn't even like it. It's just annoying, like to do yeah. those kind of fields. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of messed up for him <laughs> yeah. to be in that. And then yours, they were both big open fields. Yeah, yeah. Did we? Did I spray very long that day when you were with me? I think was about an hour. A couple, yeah, yeah, an hour. Yeah, hour, so. hour and a half. Yeah. Maybe two. Those, that wasn't too bad either. It was mm-hmm. open. Yeah. But yeah, that was messed up because I had a lot of transmission lines, uh-huh. power lines, all kinds of jacked up stuff yeah. with you. So yeah. you went you went from flying ag and then you went to the National Guard after that or what? So I was Hold doing that. Or did you do? Hold on, back up. Something before, before you got deployed. You did you something had, else. You what? had an experience in John's helicopter, right? Oh, yeah. So that's still more the beginning of the career. That was 11 years ago now, I think. Um, I was through my first season, so I had sprayed that first field, and now I'm spraying every day all summer long, getting better, building hours quick. I don't even know how many hours I had at the time. I Actually, I think I had like 400 hours. I think it was only three or four months into the season. It was the last load... Of the last job. Nice. So for the season? Yeah. No, just for the day. Oh, for the day. Okay. But it was the end of the season pretty much. Yeah. I mean, uh, so frustrating. That's what makes me so mad. It was literally the last load of the day. And uh, what happened was the way the wind was blowing, I had come across, I was coming across this field and I pulled up. Now the wind's at my back, which you try to always, you want kind of like a quartering wind when you spray because you can always have the wind in your favor. You're always turning into the wind. So you want to use that to your advantage. goes into the principles of, of flying, but I'm not going to get into that. But anyways, this wind, this way I was spraying this field, the wind was either in my face going this way or at my tail going this way. So when I pulled up over this power line, the power, I lost power. I say lost power, but the power bled off so fast because I was kind of sinking in my own rotor wash. And I spun it back around and literally just dropped. I, w- I wouldn't say like a rock. I almost pulled it out. Just inexperience honestly yeah. was really what it was and i plowed it i when i was going down i was like i'm in, i'm done it's over i'm dead like because it was just was it a straight nose basic, i mean were you like i flattened it out at the or? end because the way to pull out of a situation like that is to build up airspeed kind of like drop the collective and push forward and build up airspeed because what happened is your blades are slowing down okay so you want your blades at the certain spinning this certain speed in the green on the gauges and what happened is it bled off so fast before i could fix it because of the tailwind when i got whipped back around i nosed it over and tried to die back down and i almost got it out of it but obviously not quick enough came down and almost got flat and then i mean it was almost straight down and bam i and right before i hit you know you you're taught to never let go of the trolls never get up, up all the way to the end well i didn't because when i hit you know i can hear still hear all those sounds helicopters tearing itself apart things are i just and i thought this i'm dead like Mm -hmm. my whole literal life flashed before my eyes i'm like i'm done and 
Uh, finally, it came to stop. The engine's still running, and I'm laying there. My hands are still like locked onto the controls. My eyes are closed. The engine was still running? Well, yeah. The, rotor? the blades aren't moving no more because they're ripped off. The helicopter, but the engine's still going like that, literally. And I remember just laying there, and I rolled the throttle off. It went, it went silent, and I was all. Now, how were you? Were you like sideways? In the, in the, <laughs> I was sitting. Like, I was, how, was you, how was your position? I was, you? Upside down? What, flat? I was literally sitting just like I'm sitting in this chair right now. Just straight up. There was nothing left but the bubble. Huh. Everything was gone. Was the, the tail was gone. Well, the engine's connected to the cab. Hmm. But the whole tail rotor, the blades, when I hit so hard that the main rotor blades slapped down, like basically almost to the ground and hmm. kept spinning and chopped off the tail rotor, hmm. the whole tail cone and flung it like 50 oh, yards yeah. in front. Boom, hit off. You know, it went up in the front. Blades going this way, parts going this way, plexiglass flying off. It was just scattered all over this sweet potato field. Mm. Thank God it wasn't trees. Yeah. No, that would have been bad. Yeah. And honestly, thank God that I walked out of there unscathed. I had a little mm. scratch on my ankle, but outwardly, that was it. Now, I did blow my back out mm. because those helicopters are not made for crashes. Mm. They, the ones they make nowadays, the actual seats will cave in and give for people's for your back like t made to crash yeah. this is like a steel block you're sitting on didn't budge and uh basically ruptured to my disc in my lower back but i didn't know at the time of course you know it's like the worst thing that can ever happen to you because news come out there they're already weirded out by crop dusters because of the chemical you know they're freaking out you know oh my goodness there's a spill now so you got Chemicals kind of spilled. You got a helicopter. You got a guy that might be dead out there. Um, so news channels are How coming is that out. A spill when you're literally spraying it. Exactly. Unbelievable. Because it's a larger amount in one little one, spot. One spot. That's <laughs> Yeah, it's stupid. Unbelievable. So you had um, what were those guys called? What are those guys called? Newscasters. New, uh, hazmat people coming oh. out there with the yeah. coats and gloves. Yeah. News people, fire trucks, cops, sheriffs, because. I don't know if I blacked out for a minute. I don't think I did, but I wonder if I did because how all of a sudden... So so like I said, I rolled the throttle off and instantly I was already hearing sirens. There's no way... It would have been already coming been that, fast. that quick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I heard sirens, so but I rolled have, it off. You maybe you blacked out in I might have seat. for a minute or two. Yeah. I don't know. I don't feel like I did. I feel like I was awake for the whole thing. Just my eyes were closed. <laughs> After I hit the ground, I was like... Ah. <laughs> but I literally was like... I literally was feeling on myself. I'm like, I'm alive. <laughs> I'm alive. You know, and You're in shock. Yeah. I it's a four point harness. I unbuckled it and I stepped out where the front window was. Mm. And I stood there and I was like, Oh my the first thing I thought was, I'm gonna lose my job. I wasn't even thinking I'm alive, like happy I'm alive. And then all the fire trucks were pulling in, all those ambulances were pulling in. They come the loader had come running over there. Are you okay, man? Like, you know, can't believe you're alive. You know, they're freaking out. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine them that watching that sight. happen? Right, right. There, you know, you know, he thought I was dead. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, he did. That had to be such a sight. Yeah, and so, anyways, like, dude, I'm completely fine. You know, and they're like, whoa, dude, that's crazy, whatever. And um, the ambulance came run up to me. You need to go in. You need to go to the yard. And I'm like, I'm fine. Like, honest to God, I go. If I was, I'd let you take me in. But I, look at me. I, honestly, there's nothing wrong. And. Uh, Anyways, the news channel wanted to talk to me. I said, no, I didn't want to do anything. But the, it's on YouTube of that specific thing. Um, uh, you can see a video of it. That news channel had put a little video clip of it up then. 
And uh, I was just so mad, you know. I was like, man, you know. I, and basically, I didn't fly for a while because of that, because there were, he only had two helicopters. He was flying the other one. And um, anyways, where was I going with that? So, yeah, about five days later, we were sitting in Taco Bell. And I was sitting there eating, finished my food. We were leaving. I couldn't stand up. Mm. Literally could not stand up. I just go, oh, you know, like I tried to stand yeah, up. Yeah. And I was so locked. you didn't feel the pain until then? No, I was completely fine. Uh-huh. It was like five days. I could not stand up. I wonder if it was swollen and the swelling went down. I don't know. Oh, that's weird. Dude, I was in excruciating because, you know, me, I'm not Sarah. Like, I'm not, my wife worries about everything. And I was like, I'm not going to, I could, I'll fake. I have cold sweat. It just didn't like not look like I'm hurting something for her because she freaks out. I couldn't fake it, dude. I couldn't walk. I couldn't even hardly stand. I couldn't stand up straight. I was literally locked, bent over. Mm. For how long? What'd you do? Uh, well, so we went home. I didn't sleep that night. Literally. But how'd you get home? I mean, was well, she helped me. Dude. Five was, minutes, ten minutes. Oh no, I was just stripping sweat, like getting in the car, like everything, all that whole process. She drove me home. Went to bed. Thought I'll go to the chiropractor. Oh my! God. How smart oh, of an idea is that? Which he, I did not. He couldn't. There's no way, dude. He. There's no way he could have popped me. There's no way he could have did anything. I would have passed out probably or something. But he took X-rays and he's like, "Yep, you, you, you." Uh, it didn't really. He says, and it wasn't the greatest, obviously, X-ray deal. But he's like, "Oh, you just bulging. You have two bulging discs, and they were literally. I have pictures of it. So they're sticking completely out of the mm. the vertebrae." Yeah. All, all we can do is he goes. Eventually, I think it will go back in place, and they. Um, he didn't. He put those electrode things on me mm-hmm. all over my back in that yeah. area, and I was pretty painful. Even though really all it's doing is flexing it, and he's all just here's some uh, prescription for Viking. What could that possibly do? I don't see Not, how to do anything. I don't. That's why I never like chiropractors. <laughs> in my opinion, they don't. They and I hate to say that if some are listening, but they've never helped me. Mm. I don't awesome. understand how electrodes. Could help a bull. I think he was disc. just trying to think of something swelling, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But he's like, oh, here's a prescription for Vicodin. Yeah. Which really, that is all you can do is. Right. Good. I, wasn't, I couldn't sleep. That night, I did not sleep. Yeah. There was no position I could lay in yeah. that I could re- get comfort. I've never been that kind of pain in my life. And I laid on the side, laid on my back. Which, which vertebra, like how far up or the down L3 your back? and four. I think it's like the well, lowest one. How pretty much far down your back? It's literally like right, right, up, right, by your tel- right above your tailbone. Besides your sacrum. Mm. Yeah. It's like your tailbone, and then those two are think is like right there. So, what can you do to even help that? Well, now if we would, if I would have had back then the reverse hyper, mm. I guarantee that would have helped me so quick. But there was nothing Basically they could do. Spread, uh, stretch, yeah, stretch that and fill it with fluid and let that just kind of go back into place. You know, so like what lay inverted or stuff like yeah. that kind of thing. Those well, kind of things, he gave or? me some exercises to do. It was like put my knees to my chest and let my head hang off the bed or something. It kind of did like pull on it, mm. but it was so pain. I couldn't do nothing for two weeks. I couldn't even do that. There's no way I could do that. Then I was taking Vicodin. Vicodin. I never take anything. So to do that was jacking me up. I was on half one. Okay. So this is the show's the power of drug addiction. <laughs> Seriously. And you know, you know, I don't know. Hopefully no one out there has that problem, but just for an example of someone going through that and being that kind of pain to be able to get off of it. You know, I was on half one, and I'm telling you, I don't take Advil. It was just, I mean, gone to the world, like, for 24 hours, dude. Like, not even hardly, I couldn't keep my eyes open. But I would, then I could actually sleep. 
I was on the couch, not moving, not sleeping, hurting everything I do. I can hurt. So now I'm not making money. I'm like depressed. Then you're on this junk that jacks with your head anyways, let alone just your features and feeling of pain. And then that uh, half of Vicodin wasn't working. So I went to one and then I went to one and a half and I went to two. That was like two months in. I finally said, dude, I, this isn't, this isn't making me better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think I was getting a little bit better too. It was kind of finally letting up a little bit and I just threw the ball in the garbage. It's like, dude, I'm not, cause I, you know, you know, people, how people get hooked to that, but threw in the garbage and, but it was a long road, man. I get jacked up and I'll tell you what helped is, is, um, us working out. And I've said that so many times, you know, people freak out about deadlifts, but like deadlifts strengthen my, um, what's the, what what do we, what do you call that? Your core, but it's your, um, Oh, what's that? Uh, what is that called on either side of your spine? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I can't remember it for the life of me right now, but, um, oh, that's gonna anyways, me. I know we'll think about it later, but it's strengthened that. And the less I deadlift and work out just in general, because I've been working out now for seven years. And I'll tell you what, that is what really helped my back. But I still do have problems every once in a while. But that was 11 years ago. But Something chain? Posterior chain. Post, posterior, yes, posterior yeah. chain. Yes. Yeah, it's strengthened that. It's kind of secures all that in there. But right. anyways, so that was that. Uh, that took a long time to talk about, but... Uh, so you obviously didn't get fired. Did you ever no. start spraying there again? Yeah, but it was like a year. But what happened was, is I needed work. I had a family. I called all around all my buddies. How, wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Back up. How long were you not working? You're all in this pit. You're in this pain. I think I eventually, well, I didn't work for like two months. Uh-huh. I, w- I was on a disability. Mm. Never had done an unemployment, but, but I the did pain disability. never really went away, right? No, uh-uh. I just dealt with it. When did it start to? You say I can't even remember. Years, really was when I started working out. That's when I really didn't even think about uh-huh. my back anymore. I'm not yeah. joking. I remember you used to talk about it a lot. I, it's not like I'm not saying that in a bad way. Obviously, you're in pain. It's always on your mind. But I remember you mentioning that like things with your back like you didn't want to do certain things because your back you know it was always yeah, my, I back, my back too. my back whatever and then like you said we started working out more and uh it was like like it started just you Disappear. started to stop saying things yeah. about your back mm-hmm. you know it's kind of crazy but and that's why i tell people about the deadlifting it's like man I, yeah you just go light and you do it right it's gonna strengthen your back that's what it does you know you lift right it works but you know, so so anyways, you, you did that. So I went then, to work for Scott Churchill in Minnesota for a whole right. season, which their season's only, it was like from June to September. And I built up a lot of hours again. So now I'm starting to get more marketable. But John wanted me back and he got another helicopter. So I went back to John. So now I'm sitting around a thousand hours. So I'm getting somewhere now like, okay, I'm going to be getting close to Medivac here another year or two, possibly. Because Ag, you build up time quick. And... uh Went back to work for John, built, an, I think, like another 500 hours. That's what it was. I built another 500, so now I'm at 1,500, and I w- asked for a raise, and he was like, because uh, most people, I was at 10%. Most crop dusters are making 20, and I was a journeyman now. I was started as an apprentice, go to journeyman, usually jump from that to 20% commission for everything you spray, and uh, I asked for you know a raise. I'm expecting like 15%, not 20, you know, whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'll give you you know, 12. And I was like, 
okay. Well, I was like, that's kind of 2%. But, I mean, I get it. I, I have nothing against John for that because, I mean, in all reality, you know, like I did crash a helicopter like a year and a half prior to that. <laughs> so it's like that costs a lot of money, you know. I mean, you do have insurance and stuff, but still. And I still, you know, I felt bad for that, of course. Horrible about that. But uh, anyways, he didn't want to do that. Well, a friend of mine had another company that was in Lemoore, which was an hour and a half commute. But they, I went to them, did an interview with the owner, and I was there for nine years. So I basically, um, I went into that, and I moved into flying uh, Jet Rangers, which is going from piston engine helicopters. Well, that's all I've ever flown to turbine. That's the elite. You know, once you get to turbine, you feel like you're doing something. You feel like you kind of moved up. And you guys know the difference between those two. I mean, it's like night and day, mm-hmm. you know, power, everything. And they're a great company. I worked for them. But then I did that, and they worked me like a dog to the point I was just like, ugh. And then I finally had the hours now. I could apply <laughs> I could apply for medevac, you know, and I was like, oh, I'm going to do medevac. So I said thanks. I left on good terms with them, went and did medevac for a year, and that was really crazy experiences. I could do a whole podcast on medevac. Just telling stories from I sh- that. We should do that. I should yeah. write that down as a, a podcast idea. Stories from Metaflights, unreal. Mm-hmm. And... um because we were in Fresno, California. Was, it was one of the busiest how, bases in California. How different was that from ag? It's well, now you different. go from cowboy yeah. flying kind of. It's not because that's just how it is to very proper. Yeah. And you're flying with the flight crew. You're you flying with a nurse correct. and a medic. Yeah. Yeah. Politically Timely, correct, correct. You're working with other people. Safe. Yeah. You know, mean all those criteria. And I mean, that's, you know. You're like, let's you, land gotta, here in this cornfield. They like They're you. like, no, you got to land here. Yeah, <laughs> and a nurse and a medic, they can get you fired almost because if they say anything bad about you or whether it's true or not, they could get you in trouble. Like, oh, man, he's he flies like a maniac or, you know, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Plus, <laughs> we were two foot off the ground. <laughs> yeah. I went from, well, I don't know how much I can be open about this yet, but some <laughs> stories will come out later once I'm out in the flying career. I don't want to shoot myself in the foot, but. Uh, we went, I went from flying, you know, $500,000 helicopter and, and still they're nice to like two, three, $4 million helicopters, uh, holding seven passengers to me flying by myself all the time. So now I got a patient and then I got two other people. So there was a lot of responsibility there and you want to do right. Like I want to, I don't want to act stupid. I, you know, like we're chameleons, you can fit in the environment you need to be in. I'll, I'll play yeah. Whistle Dixie, whatever, however you want it in that environment. I'm not stupid. Mm-hmm. So I just played that game and and had some crazy experiences in that. Uh it's crazy stuff. And learned a lot too. Then I'm then I'm in the National Guard and I'm flying as a backseater as a crew chief on a medic medevac helicopter for the military. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of doing the same thing, but in different seats. Yeah. Doing different roles. Yeah, different roles. One as a pilot, other one as an actual mem- crew member doing IVs and. How much medical training does a crew chief have, really? Well, in a medevac unit, we just basically do, we do actually a lot of extra stuff. Like for us, they did they did um trach they taught us how to do trachs. Really? Yeah. How difficult is a trach? Like it's just like the last option though. It's like you don't want to. It's do not it. that it's really difficult because you literally slice what, the front the of the scenari- What's the scenario like? Yeah, well, we do it well right because you there's something lodged and they can't get air. They're suffocating. 
Maybe it could be like and just literally in the back of your throat, like. Well, yeah, but like shrapnel or something. Oh. If some some piece object, foreign right. object comes flying, gets and blocks. And it. if I know there's some people that listen to this that are actual medics and stuff, so they're hopefully I'm not making them look bad because remember, guys, I I never claim I'm not a trained medic or something like that. But I just know, it, you know, if it, say a piece of metal comes and gets lodged above and completely cuts off any mm. airflow to breathe out of your mouth, you're suffocating. And you're not going to pull that out. You can't, you know, if you pull that out, you know, you don't know what's going to happen to you. Bleed out, maybe. Because we're in the field, you know. Yeah. We're not yeah. no surgeon. Yeah. So you got to get that guy air or he's going to die. Right. Just, I shouldn't even give scenarios. Just there's certain times that it would be, mm -hmm. but it's very, very. Limited. Rare. It's very rare yeah. that you do it. Um, we never, I think they did one while we were in Afghanistan. That's it. Out of the whole time. So that kind of shows you, you know, I don't know how much on the civilian sector they do it, but I don't even know if on the medevac helicopter, I know they've done it. Some of the nurses told me they've done it, but I don't think that ever happened on one of my flights. We did a lot, but uh, it just has to be the right scenario. But yeah, they, we, they trained us to do that. They trained us to do IVs. Us crew chiefs were doing IVs on each other all the time before that deployment. And I still, I, I enjoy doing those and I don't want to lose that because it takes a little bit of a knack, but you pick it up pretty fast. Um, obviously CPR, which everybody, most of people nowadays do that uh, in their jobs. What else did we do? Um, pushing drugs for the medic. I mean, obviously they got to give you the permission. Okay. Push this, you know, and all, all you're doing is sticking in the IV and pushing it in. But as far as that, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we were doing. Mm -hmm. Weren't you doing hoisting also? Yeah. We did a lot of hoisting. That was awesome. How, like, that was fun. How difficult is that? Like, what are you doing? It was actually pretty difficult to learn. It took a lot of training. Um, you're I mean, aren't you at the discretion of the pilot, though? He's holding it. Are you giving him? You're not giving him direction. He can. Yeah, no, I down, am. Right? Yeah. Oh, you are? He picks a point. So they were so far ahead of us. They're like, I can't remember how many feet. It's like, I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna get crucified. I'm not going to give numbers because... I'll say something wrong, but anyways, the pilots are view. way up in the front. Mm. They're way up there. We're in the back in the door towards the back because the, the hoist, there's two different kinds. There was one that stuck out the side and there was the one that spun out that was inside the helicopter that mm. would spin out and then you would do it. And you were wearing these vests, the crew chiefs and the medics and the pilots actually, but you're wearing these vests and it's got ammo. It's got other things in it, but it's also got the, the carabiner where you hook it's rated for so many hundreds of pounds you hook it onto the hoist, and then that's that's what's holding you is a vest in there, and you zip that thing up, get it tight. And we would do at first, yeah. We so as a crew chief, I'd be like, you know, we get in a fifty foot hover, and like, okay. And I can't remember the verbiage; I'm rusty at it now. But like, I'd have the medic, okay, medics on. I'm talking to the pilots, not really talking to the medic. Um, confirmed. We confirm our tells because it's holding me me in because I'm sitting right out the edge of the door. You can't just sit there with attached to something. So we hook our tails into the floorboard care like rings on the helicopter, mm -hmm. the Blackhawk, and then hook it into my back. We'd verify, okay, and you tug on it. Okay, mm -hmm. yours is good. I tug on his. Yours is good. We tug on our own. Okay, you're good. Okay, we're secure here in the back. Door's coming open. Pop the door open. Medic's hooked up. Medic's going out the door. You know, and you're just hanging there outside going 100 <laughs> knots or whatever. You know, it, it was. I, I've been on both sides. I've been the guy hanging on the thing too. It's cool. I actually really enjoyed that. But then he'd be like, okay, medic's going down. We come into a hover, you know, whatever, 80 feet off the ground, 50 feet. Medic's going down. Then I would call. I just send him down as fast as I could until he would go, he would wave his hand like this. 
mm-hmm. which means he was 10 feet. And then I would call, tell the pilots, okay, 10. And then I would have to adjust them if, if it wasn't, because we're trying to get these specific spots. Yeah. That's the point of a hoist, right. is you're on the side of a hill, a mountain, you can't land there. So you got you can't just sloppily land. Just because you're practicing a wide open field doesn't mean you can do that in real situations. So to practice, and it'd be like 10, uh, and then hold, I, I would stop letting them down with the control, and I would say, slide right five. So the pilot would know, slide, start going right, four, three, two, one. And then and that's where he'd know to stop. Okay, stay there. Then I'd be the medics five feet off, four, three, two, one, and then his feet would touch down on the ground. And I'd let a little slack in it, he'd unhook himself, and I'd start doing the hoist up and we'd take off. But then it got to the point we were doing medic uh, insertions, uh, combat insertions, where you're coming in fast, the medic's coming down as you're coming in hot, and the, you got to time it to where his feet touch the ground on the spot as they're like coming to a stop, he's hitting the ground. He unhooks as quick as he can, and then you're, so it's almost like a fluid boom. He's hitting the ground, boom, and you take off. Mm. You don't want to be sitting there hovering in Afghanistan. Is that faster than actually like taking the bird down, or is there just a certain well, reason you would do that? Well, because you couldn't land. Mm. That's so you're doing that. But when you do it, you're like, okay, this you know LZ is hot. We gotta like nail this, get him in there, and not be a, sitting there big old target. Yeah. A lot of the helicopters have been shot down in Afghanistan from hovering there for a long time. So so even if he comes and hovers like a foot off the ground or something, they don't do anything like that? You could. Um, I know, you know, special forces will do repelling and stuff, but that still takes a minute too. Mm-hmm. But you're only inserting one guy. Yeah. And then depending on the situation, you might have to pull both those guys out. There's a sked where they lay a body in it. Can't, I can't even imagine, right? I want those things. Because <laughs> they, they put the body in there. They wrap them in, tie them up. And I've seen videos with people, real people, and I'm injured people spin like a top, dude. Jeez. Just hundreds of times just spinning. They're already shot hurt. And what the how you eliminate that is a tagline. You probably messed with yeah. that a little bit, right? You you angle yourself and you tagline so they don't do that. But sometimes stuff goes wrong. And it's like, oh, it's so freaky looking because it's like you're doing this and you're up 50 feet in the air. You're spinning 100 miles an hour <laughs> and you're sitting here flopping like this. It's like. <laughs> As if getting shot wasn't bad enough. <laughs> so you might not make it up in the helicopter. So how long were you in Afghanistan? It was nine months. Nine months. Yeah, I was in what Texas was the worst for three. part of that nine months? Just being away from family. Yeah. And church and friends, you know. Mm. That was devilin because my girls were little. It, I mean, no, I guess it doesn't matter how old they were, but it was it was terrible. I mean, that was that was the that was the hard part of it. Yeah. It wasn't being over there. I wasn't scared. Over there, it wasn't like, oh, I hope I make it back. I mean, we had definitely lost situations, but it was that was just terrible. What was, was like? What you're was missing the best stuff of their of life, huh? What was the best part? The best part was when the camaraderie, mm-hmm. that how close you are to these guys. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't know these guys your whole life. Mm-hmm. But going through something like that, you're instant lifelong best friends yeah you know that was a really good part of the other part was helping the people that we could help that was very rewarding obviously in the medical field that's always something that's rewarding is helping people you know Mm -hmm. and getting them out of there and everybody getting home safely and yeah i'd say that was probably the best part of it yeah but wasn't a whole lot of good parts of it (laughs) but that was it was good i still talk to all all my buddies all the time have you ever wanted to go back there no, 
not not for to. There's nothing to see really. Probably no, like desert, not where right? I was at. The problem was I was in Western Afghanistan. Oh, okay, just straight up no man's land, dirt, no man, sand, nothing, nothing not even animals, at. Harley, dude. Really? Did you say you saw people? Nomads. Yeah, nomads. Hundreds of miles from life, middle of a desert, flies a pancake. We're flying over black these black things on the ground. We're probably like two thousand feet. I go, what are those? We come down lower. It is literal people living out there. Like three tents. Wow. Black, made of black. I don't know what they're made of. They're There's homemade. no water there, right? There's no, no water. water. There's no water. I no grocery got, stores. <laughs> nothing, dude. No Corona. They didn't even have any. They didn't even have it. Yeah, they're not worried about Corona right now. <laughs> there was not even. Uh, they didn't even have, excuse me, any transportation. And how no far were camels. they? Were, how far were they from anything? Hundreds of miles. <laughs> oh I'm not exact. In all directions, dude. <laughs> Trust me. I know. I looked. On the map, I'm like, dude, what are they doing? This is not real. Have they been born and raised there? Like, like is that where they? That's what all they, they know. I, I guess goat. They had a couple Lizards. goats. <laughs> they had a couple goats. I think they drink. I think they drink goat milk for liquid. I don't think they. Uh-huh. There was no water nowhere around there, dude. Mm. Black black tents, and it was like 125 degrees, and there was no one outside. There was two goats outside. Yeah. I have a picture of it. That's, that's it's actually it's on the YouTube channel. <laughs> Um, uh, like one of the very beginning videos, I have a video of us on deployment, and show that in the video a picture of that nuts. Did you say there was a castle or something over there? That yeah, um, um, Alexander the Great's one of Alexander the Great's as places where he came over and conquered over there. Wow. We took a picture of us holding the American flag, hovering over top of it, and you can see all the rooms and all the things over it, just made out of the side of a mountain. Huh. Trippy, actually, right there. I it's that picture right there. Okay, that's just the top. You can't see it, but that whole mountain was like rooms and walkways. Really, uh, dude, in the middle of Afghanistan. That's crazy. Is that nuts that's or what? Cool. I was like, man, drop us down. Let's walk <clears throat> through there. Uh huh. Oh, we don't know if there's mines in there and junk, which there could have been, I guess. But I sure would. That would. That's insane. That is insane. Like, how? Well, what was it like back well, then? You're, yeah, like what year was that? Yeah. And, and, how, and, how, was, and how do they know? Like. Uh, because is I don't there know. Doc, you know, like not documents, but there's like, something. There's things written down. I guess, geo- dude. I don't know. Location wise, we specifically went there because that was on their map thing, and they like, let's go check this out. That's insane. I wonder what time that was. I know. What when was Alexander the Great around? I'm not a historian. I'm not either. People are yelling at the <laughs> at their car. <laughs> it's why it's 1500. It's <laughs> 200 BC. I, don't, yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> So <laughs> you came back from deployment and went back to crop dusting, right? And medevac. Oh, right. You were I was doing, doing both. both My that. week on medevac, because they do week on, week off. I had to work a week of days, medevac, and then do spraying the whole week yeah. off of that. And then and that just burnt me out. That was like a year, and I finally quit the medevac thing. Yeah. Because crop dusting was a lot better money. Uh-huh. So, Alexander the Great, his reign was from 356 B.C., through 323 BC. Mm. That was a long Way back. time ago. That's 600 years. So how many Alexanders were there? No. There was only one Alexander no. the Great, I think. No, no. You said three. Both of those were three. Oh, oh, I thought you went 300 BC to 300 AC or AD. No, AD. Uh, they're both BC. Oh, okay. So yeah. how long was it? Uh, let's see. So it said 356 BC through uh, 323 BC. Okay. Yeah. 27 so years or you something. You do the math. I'm not doing I don't even plug in at 23 <laughs> years or something. 
something with that. So since then, that's nuts, dude. That's Bible time. That's before. Uh, saying, oh, yeah. He's saying before Christ. Yeah. Three hundred something years before Christ. Well, I said Bible times. I mean, yeah. yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. yeah. That's even more cool than I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> that's really old. Should have hoisted <laughs> down and got a little piece of sand. Or something. I want to <laughs> bring a little rock, rock home. This or was something. Alexander the Great's rooms. It's wall or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then land and my right leg gets blown off by a yeah. <laughs> a little ID well, down there. This isn't as cool as I thought it was gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> I hate this place. So I just wanted a souvenir. <laughs> that was like that was what year was that? Thirteen to fourteen. Thirteen. So seven, seven, eight years ago, somewhere around then. Been doing a lot of flying since then. What how many hours are you up to now? Uh, almost uh, 7,800, 7, 7,850, something like that. So almost 8,000 hours. Mm-hmm. That's insane. How many how many mechanical issues have you had since then? <laughs> yeah, Dad wasn't really, he recorded some stuff the other day, and he was like, what? He's like, you'll have only had one one problem, right? <laughs> I started laughing. <laughs> so what are you laughing at? I said, like 9, 10. He's like, what? Yeah. Yeah, I lost. I know you've lost hydraulics several <clears throat> times. That was bad. Yeah, I lost hydraulics two or three times. I've lost engine twice. I've, um, let me think. What else happened? Oh, well, that was kind of weird. I don't know what was going on there, but there was flames shooting out, and my th- helicopter was smoking. Luckily, I would land it, and I, would, I didn't know nothing was going on because the smoke stacks behind me. And then on the truck, and the Lord's going, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? He's on fire! <laughs> and then I just shut it down. I was like, dude, what in the world? We didn't, I don't know what that was. I think there was some buildup in the engine, but we ended up shutting it down. They hauled it back to the shop and fixed it. I remember you told me one story where you, there was a big oak tree or something like that, and you're, you were like tired or something. You're flying, and all of a sudden, you just heard this noise, and your skids were going through the top of the oak tree or something like that. Probably like a long time ago. Probably, dude. I, there's so <laughs> stuff I can't even remember half it. Half it, I was probably half asleep. Because that's the thing; they don't have no rules. And when it comes to ag, how long? What's the longest you've flown? Like 19 sh- hours straight. Straight. Wow. Jim wow. 19 hours. I've done that multiple times, but that's the longest. That's crazy. It's stupid. 19 hours straight. Yeah. Jeez, I've never really even cool. duck on a 19 hours straight. That helicopter was never shut off for 19 hours. But yeah, you can't do that. Like medevac, you can eight hours max. You cannot fly over eight hours. Yeah. You know, most jobs where you're hauling passengers around, eight hours, you're limited to that. You got duty days too. Like you can't go over 14 hours, even if it has nothing to do with flying. You just can't be out there that long. Wow. But crop dusting, eh. There's nothing in the regulation book that limits you to time. That's crazy. It's it's insanity, actually. <laughs> that's, that's why they have issues like they do. <laughs> People right. crashing because they're completely exhausted. Right. But So how many helicopters have you flown and what's some of the coolest helicopters you've been in? Actually, I'm I mean, you've already as... said you've been in a Blackhawk that's pretty yeah. cool itself. Blackhawk. Uh, Bell 407, which is most of the medevac are those, and they, they're flying about 150 miles an hour, 160. That's you, Those things cook. It's kind of like an upgraded deal I was spraying with, like a 206 Jet Ranger, flown a Long Ranger, Bell 407. And I've been in an Augusta 109, never flew it myself, but I really haven't. Um, also, I've been in a uh, Huey, 
which was my that's awesome my favorite helicopter a 212 it's a twin engine huey but uh yeah um oh an instrum too which those are piston engine they're kind of goofy things but not as many as i want i mean i guess if you love helicopters you want to fly as many as possible and there's so many helicopters out there that i haven't even touched where are most helicopters made anyway is there a lot, a lot made of, in the u.s um like u.s a company, few not as much there's a lot you know europe too makes a lot mm. um so European a lot are made companies. out of country yeah yeah that's cool but yeah so now i'm doing gonna be doing medevac and i'm doing powerline patrol for pg e or or so i'm doing that just get out of that don't that so can helicopters fly upside down certain ones can really they don't but they're not a steady it's upside not steady down. upside down i think your kids are getting <laughs> body slammed out there or something I guess. no so like the the red bull you've watched that haven't you yeah they can do a temporary That's like awesome. barrel or loop oh, okay. but they can't just sit there that? and fly Ah, dude, I can't remember. I I can't remember who makes that helicopter. You don't really see him anywhere. Yeah. So for medevac, are you gonna try to get hired on the same place or a different place? I actually got hired. Did you know that? Did you not know? I did. I know. got hired on Merced. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah so I'm a. I haven't. <laughs> I've been commuting to work hour hour plus hour and a half for. Get a little trot over there. 12, 13, 13 years, between different those different jobs. And, uh, uh, yeah, so to drive 12 minutes to work is going to be trippy. Plus, on top of that, medevac is like <clears throat> lazy man's job yeah. <laughs> for the pilots, for yeah, the pilots. Yeah, Because you're just a transportation, you know. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, you get night calls and you get woke up in the middle of the night. Oh, okay, go start the helicopter, fly to LZ. It's cool. Like, it's, like I shouldn't say cool. It kind of sounds bad to say that, but, like, it's cool. Because if you get a scene call, there's a wreck. You're landing some pretty. Sometimes you're landing some hairy places because you've never been there. It's dark. You're tired. Everybody's kind of yeah. out of it because you're tired. Mm-hmm. So you got to really be careful because you know you're responsible like oh, yeah. for these other people. Yeah. You're landing. I've landed some places up in the hills. There's like, ah oh, man, dude. Like you go around because I've kind of be honest with you, doing crop dusting like being a cowboy type of style flying. If you want to say that, you're flying the same fields over and over again. So you do it in the nighttime. It's really not a big deal. Sounds crazy spraying at night, but it's not. You got big flash, you know, flashlights, floodlights. You got a lot of lumens pointing out there you can see. And, uh, but now you're going somewhere where you can't, you've never been. You can't see. You're using, yeah, you can't really see, which now they have night vision goggles. That helps a lot. But it's still a little weird. Even with night vision goggles, you can't fully, because you really can't see the wires. Yeah. So I've had to come down and you circle, and I thought, oh my goodness, when's that guy going to land? You know, I would have landed already. I'm ta- thinking of as a crop yes. duster would. But now being in those situations, I'm like, dude, I almost can't circle enough because you're using that floodlight and that spotlight to look and look and look, make sure before you go down there. Yeah. There's no poles somewhere because that's really what you're looking. You're not look. you can't see the wires. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. looking for the poles. Okay, there's a light tower there's got to be something in power to that you just and you just going slow you know and that's at night too more so but yeah that's kind of different mm-hmm. it is different yeah you know i'll give them props you know um and the other things you don't want to you just can't get rushed that's the kind of job where you like i gotta get down there i gotta save their life well you ain't saving their life if you're dead yeah or yeah. killed the crew yeah. and that's when i got interviewed that uh, was a four panel interview and I haven't interviewed in years, but uh, uh, 
they was they were asking like, are we a transportation company or a life saving company? That's a total trick question. <laughs> I right. said, well, I'll be honest with you. I said, really, we're transportation, and my job is get people from one spot point A to point B as safe as possible. Yeah. Because if you, dude, people, they, I've had the nurses screaming in the back. Yeah. Fly, can you fly this faster? This person's dying. It's code blue block. You know, they're freaking out in the yeah. back, and not most of them didn't. Most of them stay composed. There's like certain times there were certain ones they just were not well under pressure they know this person's dying i can't fly any faster i'm flying max the yeah. helicopter can only go so fast but it still creates a tension in you like yeah yeah you know oh, i gotta come in there and land super fast and bam i can't do that yeah, yeah. you cannot let that and i told them that i go you don't react like that i know mm-hmm. you come in you land and you do you get the helicopter on the ground safely yes. that's all i can do yeah mm-hmm. you want to do something like <laughs> yeah what do you do yeah, yeah. you know like you said, it don't do no good if you guys if you kill yourself, your crew, and the person, you know, because yeah, and that person's also gonna die. So, yeah, that's a that's a good uh, question on there. It part, was a very good really. question. Yeah. Yep. You especially but if you I wouldn't have had to keep experience, your cool head, right? You wouldn't know. I wouldn't have known that, yeah. that thought, but I've already had them. Like, oh, I mean, if if something don't get you, you know, tensed up or worked up like somebody, you're trying to save a life. You know nothing well, so obviously somebody's uh, behind you screaming. This person's gonna die. Yeah, inexperienced or whatever. Even normal people are gonna get worked yeah. up. You can't do that. You know, in your position. No. Yeah. So. Well, I just died. Yeah. The camera died. So it's gonna be so long. You guys have anything else you guys want to ask or no? I think we ran through it pretty good. So thanks, everybody, for listening to this podcast. Hope you enjoyed a, a kind of an inside look to Titus and his journey flying helicopters and what it, where it's taken him and what he's been through. And we hope you guys uh, come back and listen to some more podcasts. We got a couple more topics we want to talk about, and uh, we'll see you on the next one.